This is a Crow's Nest podcast. And welcome back to Titanic Talkline. I am Alexia, and for this interview, I have something a little different for you guys. Um, I did, obviously, we started talking about Titanic, but this interview, Micah and I actually had a um, very civil discussion about politics, um, and specifically about uh, the repelment of Roe v. Wade and its implications. And I know that if you might think that may be hard for you to listen to, um, when it kind of gets to that point, please, you know, feel free to stop there and pick up with us at our next episode. But other than that, I don't really want to waste any time with this and uh, would love to just get to Micah's interview. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for joining. And I am just immediately going to stop talking as soon as I can and ask my wonderful guest to introduce himself. Nope, introduce. That's the right word. Hi, my name is Micah. Um, I have always been obsessed with Titanic for as long as I could possibly remember. Um, <laughs> One of the very first movies that I remember ever having like a significant impact on me was watching the James Cameron film. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, aside from Titanic in my in my regular life, um, I'm a real estate agent, uh, and I've been in real estate for just about a year now. I'm really enjoying that. It's been it's been a hell of a ride, but um, it, it takes a while to you know get your name out there and, and build up your your name in the community, especially when the housing market is as crazy as it is right now, but um, yeah. so I'm I'm still still trying to get some 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 momentum behind my name and everything. But it's actually I just closed on a house, uh, or I didn't close on it, but I got a contract for a house today. So I was oh, working on working on that all today. Uh, aside from real estate, I also teach piano, so that is kind of like my side gig because I need a steady stream of income, and you know, <laughs> with, with real estate, you only get paid when you make a sale. So it's not always uh, dependable upon when you're going to get paid. So with teaching piano, I at least have a steady stream of income. So I do that. Um, And yeah, so I remember when I, when I first saw your post uh, on the, on your Reddit, um, (laughs) I remember you just asked her like, does anybody, I'm putting together a podcast and I'm wondering if anybody wants to come on and just have a conversation about Titanic. And I was like, well, um, I love Titanic, so why yeah. not? Yeah, but that's, yeah, that's, that's a little bit about me. Nice. And yeah, that's really all that I wanted to do was just talk to people about Titanic because from the movie to the books to the ship itself, it's like there's just so many areas of interest and there's people who have incredible fascinations and there are people who have passing interests and there are people who dedicate their whole lives to figuring things out. It's just this really fascinating spectrum of people. Um, but how did, how did you get interested in Titanic to begin with? Like you said, it's been as long as you can remember. So like, what was the, what was the thing where you were like, I like that. I'm going to find out more about that thing. Yeah. So I remember, uh, when I was very young, um, so I was born in like 1994 and then the movie came out in 97. So Mm -hmm. I'm guessing probably somewhere around like 99 or 2000, my parents actually rented the movie. And was watching it at our house, and I remember I came mm-hmm. in, uh, and I was watch I was watching it with them at that time, and I remember thinking I was like, "This is really boring" because it was just a bunch of <laughs> these 
rich looking people in this old time period and they're having dinners and having all these conversations. Right. So I was like, this is not really, not really interesting, not really my thing. So I remember at the beginning of the movie, I was kind of in and out, you know, doing my own mm-hmm. thing, probably destroying something while my parents were trying to concentrate on this movie. Um, but um, anyway, I remember I came in at one point and I, I, I saw it sinking and I saw all these people like running up and down this deck and I saw this huge, massive ship. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, what is this? <laughs> and, um, of course, you know, I remember talking to my parents and I like, asked him, what is this about? And then they told me it was a real story. And oh. I guess in my five, six year old mind, I'm sitting there like, this actually happened to people. How right. in the world does something like this happen? So, um, I guess that was kind of the thing that got me into it. And I remember later, I, I mean, I used to go to the library all the time. And every oh, time man, I, went I, I love library trips, it's not a yes. thing you do anymore, but I remember that used to be a thing. I'd be like, all right, when we get done with school on Thursday, we're going to stop by the library. Well, another interesting, I was actually homeschooled. So, uh, yeah. that was another interesting fact about me. Um, I guess it's interesting. Um, I've actually never met a person who has been homeschooled until literally this day, and I am 33 years old. Wow. Well, I'm sorry that I have to be the one that you're meeting. (laughs) You're very nice. I'm just realizing that that it's like, you you, you like attracts like, you know, I guess I've just been surrounded by people that are super similar to me. Wow. Yeah. Where are you from, actually? I'm from Maryland. Okay. So I'm in Georgia. So it's not both East Coast, you know. East Coast. East Coast, East Coast. But... Uh, so yeah, so I was homeschooled and every time we would go to the library, which I guess was about every two weeks, cause I think that's mm-hmm. about the time when you loan books out or whatever, but we had this <laughs> kind of funny thing where it's like, however old you were, that's however many books you could get. Um, so I think if that I policy like, sounds familiar. Yeah. So if I was like five years old, I'd go to the library, I could get five books. Um, right. but I would always get books about Titanic or I would get books about shipwrecks, uh, just in general. And there have been other, I don't know, something about shipwrecks does fascinate me, but nothing, none of them fascinate me as much as Titanic does. Um, yeah. And it's kind of a, a, a weird, a weird way for me to like immortalize the Titanic movie in my mind because the Titanic movie was James Cameron's Titanic movie specifically right. was the first movie that I ever watched that, actually like scared me Mm, and it's it's i would always put myself on the ship and i also remember talking to my parents like if we were on the titanic what would have happened like what would what would we have done and i would be like laying in my bed petrified thinking about okay well i would be young enough because it was just men and children you know men and women that are uh women and children that could get on the lifeboats Mm -hmm. so maybe i could hang around with my dad and he'd be like hey this is my son and we really need to go on a lifeboat. And maybe, maybe with me being a child, he'd be able to get in the lifeboat. My, you know, my mom and my sisters would be fine. They could get in the lifeboat. So I was sitting there like, how in the world could I get my whole family off this ship? If this thing is, is going to happen. Right. It's, um, that's not not fun, but it's one of those things that I think you can't help, but consider. Yeah, it was. And I, I just remember, my parents being like, you don't have to worry about this. It, we're never going <laughs> to be on a ship with this happening. They have radars now. At that time, they didn't have any of the technology we have now. So there's there's basically no way anything like this will ever happen. Just calm down about it. But, you know, still in my in my mind, I couldn't right. 
I couldn't get out of that or whatever you want to call that. But, but yeah, so that was, it. I mean, I guess in a way it kind of traumatized me, but I mean, it traumatized a ton of people. Yeah. It's, it's funny. You're, um, you're, you're my brother's age. He's, um, he's five years younger than I am. So it's like, I'm very familiar with that, um, sort of the quote unquote differences in ages, even though we're not that far apart in age, there's just enough happens in between the two times. Um, however, I think that some of the themes in Titanic are sort of universal because I saw the movie for the first time when it was in theaters and I was, I don't remember if we saw it in 90s. It was, it was, it was cool, but I will also say I was like eight or nine years old. I do not remember it. I just like in the vagueness of my mind, I'm like, yeah, I saw that in theaters. In the same way that I'm like, I saw Toy Story in theaters when I was five, but that's because I, again, I'm like, I know that happened, but I don't remember it. But I remember watching the movie, and I think just maybe I was a little older, so I wasn't as bored by the love stuff, but I was kind of bored by some of it. It was like, I wish Ruth, when I was a kid, I was like, Rose's mom can just go away. It was so stuffy. Just push her off the show. Basically, it was like, listen, she is so boring. She can just get out of the way. Like, <laughs> me being indignant, like, this movie is so much better if she wasn't in it. But, you know, when what the part that really stuck with me was the suicide of Officer Murdoch, because that is a concept I had never been introduced to before. And maybe it traumatized me in a way, but it also in a way was just like, I just didn't understand why that would happen. Yeah. Because in my brain, I was like, he was helping all those people. He, it was an accident. He made a mistake. Why? What? That seems really dramatic. Yeah. What an action to take. But you know, then I got older. I was like, Oh, I now understand also, things. I also remember, I heard that James Cameron had to issue like an apology to Murdoch's family because yeah. they they were like I'm sure he didn't he didn't commit suicide he didn't he didn't kill somebody and and then have to commit suicide and James Cameron was like well you're probably right but I was just making a movie I'm sorry yeah yeah it was but like a I can kind of understand thing. where they're coming from you know you have somebody that died on the Titanic and of course you're gonna suspect that they died as a hero mm-hmm. I'm sure so he did. I he talked did. to I talked to Dan Parks about this a lot because he runs the website um, um, WilliamMurdoch.net, which has, I think, what is the most comprehensive uh, look into Murdoch's entire life and the controversy. And he himself is of the opinion that it's likely that Murdoch did commit suicide. Now, however, where he and I both agree that things went a little too far in the lead up was, number one, the bribe, which was the first thing. So that's kind of the first, like, whack at his character is that he kind of accepts that bribe from Cal. And then the second hit was that he kills Tommy by mistake. And it's just like, all of that combined kind of turned him into a more complex character who just like he riddled with guilt and killed himself where it's like, in more likely was just like, you reach the end of it. There's no more boats. You can't help anybody else. You're freaking out. You're panicking. You're going to die. They're going to die. Everything is just, it's, 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 it's the end. Um, yeah. So, I see where Cameron was coming from, where it's like it's fictional interpretation. But like I said, where I think he came too far was the other things that more impugned his character. Where it's just like, you—he was—he yeah. was really—he was a hero. He—he um, he was manning one side of the lifeboats, and Lightoller was doing the women and children only. He wasn't letting men on board unless they were crewmen to man the boats. Murdoch was doing women and children first. So especially in those initial lifeboats when people weren't really taking it seriously, once he got the women and children on the deck on there, he was letting men on because he was like, there are seats. Get on board. 
And I think up to 75% of the survivors um, in the boats can be attributed to his rescue efforts. So yeah, it's several mm -hmm. times that he basically ran that entire side of the ship by himself. He did. Um, Yeah. And in the same way Lightoller did, they were the second and third highest ranking officers on the ship. So they were in charge of those rescue efforts and both men in my mind were heroic. And I think, especially now that I'm older and I have a much more complex understanding of things like suicide where it's like, I, I, I went to Catholic school and it was very kind of heavily pushed that like suicide is a crime and it's a bad thing and it's immoral and reprehensible. And we're changing the conversation around that now, but at the time it wasn't quite as generous. So, you know, it tended to, to quote unquote taint the legacy of people who would kill themselves because you'd be like, I can't believe they that happened. And I think that colored my view. Oh, and no, now that I'm older, it's kind of like I'm able to uncolor that view and understand it's like no matter even if he did kill himself, it's like now that I'm older, I'm like, I get it. If oh, I no. finish getting everyone off, I'd be like, I'm done. I'm exactly. done. I put myself in that situation before too. And I'm like, honestly, mm-hmm. if if I knew that I was gonna die and I had a mm-hmm. gun in my pocket, I mean mm-hmm. I could either, yes, make the terrifying decision to commit suicide, which is, I can't even fathom. No. I mean, I've never been that low in my life to where I've ever considered it or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, if if it's between that and having to freeze to death in the water, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I've put myself in that in that situation, or I've tried to put myself in that situation right. before. Uh, and, and ask myself honestly, what would I do? And yeah. and I do think, and I, and I appreciate where you came from saying that it was the lead up to it, not necessarily the actual action of him committing suicide, yeah. but the demoralizing of his character. And that makes that makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, that, that and maybe not even maybe demoralizing his character is not the the correct term, Im- but impugning maybe yeah. just because, like, for all accounts, for what everyone seems to you know, all the records about this man, it's just like he was just a good guy. Career yeah. sailor, that was his life. Had a wife back home, simple man, you know, didn't, wasn't, wasn't a drama queen or anything. And it's just sort of like, yeah, it doesn't seem like the kind of dude who would, after all these years while a ship is sinking, take a bribe. It's like, I think he would be smart yeah, enough to though, be like, this is stupid. I absolutely love the scene when he throws the money back at Cal and yes. tells him your money can't save you. It's pretty satisfying. Yeah, it is. So that's always been a, a great scene. And I think yeah. um, it's, there's some, sort of a double-edged sword with how we view the crew and the people on Titanic is because we have watched this movie and we've heard yes. about them so long and it kind of takes the human factor away from them. Mm-hmm. And we do either see, and there were plenty of heroes that night, and uh, but we, we see them as heroes and maybe ascribe somewhat of a, a godlike characteristic to them. And That's true. Um, and then with the people, I don't know, with it being a movie, I guess just the sensationalist, the sensationalism of it is sometimes that you forget that the people that were there weren't just extras, you know, this was actually happening to people Yeah. and, um, they're just human, you know, and they're, mm-hmm. they're just trying to, to survive what was in front of them. And I mean, there's no way any of them could ever prepare for this or have any idea of what's coming yeah and uh yeah so i mean who's really to judge any of the decisions that were made that night because i don't think anybody could say that 
they would have definitely done this or they would have done that. You know, we have right. all this information now, 100 plus years later, that there's no way they could have now. And yeah, but what are your and, opinion and, uh, on some of the uh, of the conspiracy theories that are out there on Titanic? My goal in life is to come up with an even worse one. Like whenever someone presents, so my example is whenever someone presents the Olympic switch theory, I like to go a step further and say, nah, it wasn't the Olympic. It was the Britannic. Oh yeah. I just want to see what they say. And normally they just stare at me. It's, it's pretty fun. Uh, They're like, I can't believe you're so dumb to believe that. (laughs) Really? Uh But you believe the Olympic. Okay. Yeah. That's my opinion, but I'm sorry. I think I kind of cut you off. Sorry. No, it's fine. I was just curious about, you know, there's some of these conspiracy theories out there about Titanic and yeah. Uh, what about the the coal the the coal fire in the bunker? I believe that. Like that seems reasonable to me. Like you know, it coal can just spontaneously bloody combust. It apparently can, and also it makes sense that when everyone had seven cigarettes in their mouth at one time. And there was so much flame and fire around. I'm like, is it really that out of the question that there might have been a fire in the coal bunker? Are you guys bananas? That might happen today. We are still that careless yeah. in 2022. So yes. I believe that. And then once the coal's on fire, you got to use it. Get it in those burners. Get it in those boilers. So I, I believe that one because to me, it's like physically it makes sense. Yeah, I believe and that one too. It, yeah, and that one... Whether but or I not don't, it hmm? I don't believe it's uh, as people people blame it as being yeah. the reason why it sank. That's the part I don't yeah. believe. I do I believe agree. there's a coal fire. I mean, it's documented that there was a coal fire. Uh-huh. Um, so exactly. Yeah, but it, I think there's been several theories that that I personally believe that I think the coal fire prolonged the sinking because since they did have to when they started moving the coal from one side of the ship to the other, um, it made the ship list to port and after it hit the iceberg on the starboard side the water was coming in and the 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 port list helped to even it out a little bit and yeah. uh, helped it to last a little bit longer at least that's what i choose to believe it, it may have been one of those things where it could have been one of the 10 to 700 factors that contributed oh, yeah, in the thinking like Sure, like with my theory that the coal fire was happening, yeah, maybe it was going a little faster than it should have just because they were like, we gotta burn, we gotta literally burn through this coal, man. But that can't be the only contributing factor. Like, all right, let's just say it was going too fast and literally none of the other factors were happening. If there was a rougher sea, maybe they would have seen it. They might have just had to do one of those (laughs) maneuvers around and it might have been a little too close for comfort. But, you know, it's one of the... How can you really find the source, honestly, for something like yeah. that? Even with something like a car accident, you're like, okay, even if it looks completely at fault, then you have to look at was the driver on their phone or this or that, or were there any distractions to the left and the right? There's, you know, there's so many tiny little mitigating factors. It's so very fre- infrequently that it's just like, it is a singular cause. Those are rare. Absolutely. And then it's like even using the example of a car wreck, like if it's a car wreck and it's not even your fault, even though mm-hmm. you were on your phone and maybe you could have avoided it if you weren't on your phone. But I mean, if the other drivers found at fault, you're not going to be like, oh yeah, by the way, I was also on my phone. You know, like right. nobody's, yeah. So nobody's going to like admit to things that they don't have to admit to. No. And also like, I think we, I also have to remind myself once in a while that it was like 19 freaking 12. They weren't oh, yeah. able to just be like, where are we? I don't know. 
Siri, geolocate. Like, that wasn't possible. <laughs> Siri, text Olympic, LOL, you up. Like, that's not a thing. Siri, that how happen. do you put out a coal fire? <laughs> <laughs> Siri, we're approaching an iceberg. Where do we go? Uh, <laughs> LOL, totally drowning. Um, <laughs> right. But it, it, they didn't have that technology, man. They weren't able to do that kind of thing. If you were accidentally off with your pencil mark when you were writing on the map, that was like 10 miles and you were off course. There's all these things they have to remember. It's like they didn't have night vision goggles. They had binoculars, which is just your eyes, but things are closer. So if it's Exactly. Dark, That's <laughs> another one of those little things that people always harp on that annoy me with the binoculars yeah, thing. They're always like, the, the scarecrow, or the scarecrow, the uh, crow's nest didn't have <laughs> binoculars. And I was like, well, you only use binoculars after you see something. It's like you scan the horizon <laughs> and you're like, oh, I see something. Let me look closer okay. at it. Like they yeah. didn't see the iceberg. So if, if they didn't, they had the binoculars by, if, even if they had them, they would have been like, oh, it's an iceberg and it's really close. Let me look with the binoculars and see, oh, that it's still really close and we're going to yeah. hit it regardless. It's also like the binoculars don't have lights in them. If you, if yeah. you go in a closet and close the door and look through binoculars, you won't suddenly be able to see your clothes. Yeah, you're right. It's still going to be dark in there. Science. And... I'm not even that good at science, but I think that I'm, I could figure that one out. But like, cause I was also thinking too, I've looked through binoculars and it, it zooms in on things, which is great. But that also means it cuts out like yeah. 70% of the other stuff you should be seeing. So as you mentioned, you look at something first and then you zoom in on it. Cause if you're constantly looking at a zoomed in view, you're not going to see the big picture. So if those guys had just been in their binoculars the whole time, they literally could have just missed the iceberg because they were looking the wronger, like two degree to the right. Exactly. I was, have you ever tried looking at like the moon or a planet through a telescope? Yes, I have. Yeah, and it's so hard to focus. I mean, obviously, binoculars aren't as like don't have the 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 minuscule settings or focusing that a telescope has. But still, right. I mean, you're looking at an enormous glowing object in the sky, and it's hard to find with the telescope. And then you're on the Titanic with no moon. It's the, you know, the water's super flat. It's pitch black dark. How in the world are you supposed to find something with binoculars? So that's, yeah. you know, that's another thing. I think the internet does a lot of negative, uh, um, uh, advertising, I guess, or promoting of Titanic because there's so much clickbait because there is such, you know, just an international obsession with Titanic. So, you know, that if you're going to put, these clickbaity looking things on these websites that you're going to get tons of clicks. And I think uh, when people are writing these articles, you know, they're there for the wow factor or for the, the shock factor of, Oh, if only this one thing would have changed, Titanic wouldn't have sank or. Right. And I think in a way it's so popular that I'm like, I'm glad that the legend and the history and the meaning of Titanic will probably never die because there is such this fascination with it. But at the same time, I'm like, it's fascinating enough just to post the facts. You don't have to add all your clickbaity titles and keep misrepresenting all this stuff that, that you're, you're just trying to get clicks or views. And some of the videos on YouTube are uh, so frustrating. There's, I mean, there's so many great ones on there as well. Yeah. But um, I've watched a few 
where I'm just screaming from the inside <laughs> and just cannot believe it's like, are you serious? This is how you're going to yeah. present this? And I talked a bit on it about this with Raph Avila too, and that my concern with stuff like that is that every website, every social media site now, its algorithm is just designed to suck you in. So if you start watching, yeah. say, Titanic conspiracy theories, you could be in a whole, like, a completely fucked up rabbit hole Flat really earthers. quickly. Just, like, before you even know it, you're looking at things like how to join the insurrection. Yeah. yeah. And, and Pizzagate. <laughs> I lived at the time I lived in that neighborhood. I lived in oh, Chevy wow. Chase. Yeah. I used to go to the politics and pros next door. And I remember just seeing that people were talking about Comet ping pong and pizza. And I remember being surprised. And they're like, your pizza's not even that fucking good, man. That... Sorry. Come I at disagree me. with you, but it's okay. I, I I like margarita pizzas. I'm one of those pizza people. Okay, I do like, like those feel. too. I'm not a pizza snob. I love pizza, but I'm not a pizza snob. I mean, I don't care how you take your pizza. I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit of one, but it's again, it's not because I have weird quality standards. It's just I like certain flavors, and their flavor doesn't happen to suit to jive with mine. But like, they're also a, a local institution, and I'm glad that they're there. Yeah. Even though it's like maybe it's not my choice to establish it, but I remember when everyone started talking about it, I was just like, what is happening? These theories people are coming up with, it's like, you've clearly never been to a major city, let alone to D.C. Like, buildings don't have infinite real estate that you can't see. That's just not a thing. There's no hidden massive basements that they're, that they're hiding from you. Like, they don't give you that kind of thing. There's no attics. It's just the amount of stuff that people came up with was just like, if you use even one sprinkle of logic... That whole thing falls apart, but they're, you're so unwilling to even consider it because in your mind, you're just like, I'm going to freak out about this thing. Yes. People get too entrenched in their own. They come up with this stuff. And then if people, if people uh, come against them or if they try to contradict what they're saying, it's like they take it personally. And then it's like they just yeah. dig in more to try and prove their point. I think so, I saw something, yeah, I don't know if it was in the subreddit or if it was somewhere else where, I, I can't tell if they were a troll or not, but whether or not they were, it's just like, here we go again, <laughs> where someone was like, so sad that the actor who played Captain Smith in Titanic died on set, and they're like, he's alive and he's 77, and like, no, he's dead, and it was just this repeated thing where I'm like, here, here, here we go. Yeah, I mean, we go. it would be so simple just to Google that really fast, like, did he die? Yep. <laughs> Obviously not. Right. No, and then even if you're it's like even if you're just being a troll, it's like you you just gotten a button. Don't feed the trolls. You always have those people that are willing to get themselves worked up to a lather about it too. It's just like you need to calm down. This shouldn't upset you as much as it is upsetting you because you happen to know it's absolutely insane. Oh, like yeah. if someone posted in there saying, "Did you know that one first class passenger was rumored to have her pet unicorn on board?" would be like, "Don't even respond to that." When when the trolls band together, that's the worst. Ugh. It is the yeah. worst. I was trying to think of something funny to say, and I was like, mm, it just is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thankfully, I haven't yet been the victim of a troll. I have a feeling that's coming. Just, I don't know why. Just, it seems to be like if you exist on the internet in any capacity, someone is going to come for you just because they're like, I can do that. Absolutely. Just because they're middle school boys. <laughs> it's. Stupid. 
And I also think that it's also, again, it's counterproductive to actually making any meaningful progress to, to anything. Like, absolutely. Like, not even just Titanic. Like, no matter what it is, if you're trying to make progress or if you're trying to bring an element of humanity to a story, if you're trying to bring awareness to something, just having people flooding you with conspiracy theories derails everything. Because now you have to take all your time and your resources to tell them how wrong they are. It's like, I can't actually make any headway on the actual project because I'm taking all of my time explaining to you what a dumbass you are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I think the state that we're in right now with with social media and the news media, how they are, is it's really scary. And I don't, Yeah. I'm sure there's a way out, but I don't, I just don't see how, and I, I don't know. It's, it's scary because you have two sides or there's multiple, there's not even necessarily two sides anymore. There's so yeah. many different sides to things, but you have all of them or not all of them, but you know, the, the main ones are screaming these two polar opposite truths mm-hmm. and neither of them are true. And you know, it's, it's so irritating and it's so annoying and the people buy into it. Yeah. And it, and reminds it makes me progress of, very, very difficult. It reminds me a little bit of sort of the more the era of the 1910s, the 1920s, where it was, it was harder to have your own opinions. It was harder to, there weren't as many options for, say, news sites as there were back then. The stories were much harder to get out. You weren't able to just go on the internet and verify something. If if you wanted to find out the truth, you really had to do a lot of work to do something about it. And, sorry, there was an ant on my desk and I'm trying to get get rid of it and it's making me nuts. That's why there's such a bunch of sounds happening. Um, But it... It reminds me of, I, I, I can say this officially now, I think that I brought this book up in every episode I have recorded. I was reading Stephen Beale's book, Down with the Old Canoe, which is about the sort of cultural history around the Titanic. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I found so interesting was that in even so recent years and many years after, um, there have been stories of so many individuals and minorities coming out about, you know, the names of the immigrant passengers who were largely ignored about how Isidore and Ida Strauss were Jewish. They had to be reclaimed by the Jewish community, how there was this sort of whitewashing at the time simply because that was who was controlling the narrative and there was no other way around it. And that, it kind of concerns me in that way where it's sort of like, yeah, maybe it's not going to get quite like that, but we're getting to the point now where there's pretty extreme opinions and there's an unwillingness on both sides to understand the argument. And it's not to say that necessarily you have to agree with the other side, but in order to make any progress, you have to understand where the argument comes from. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, it does, it does kind of remind me of, I've never thought about it in that way of how it, it kind of goes back to 1912 and the early 1900s when you have people Mm -hmm. that, you know, you had a place that you were in and if you spoke out of it, it was dangerous. Yeah. And I kind of feel like we're, we're back into a, maybe not that exactly, obviously, but, you know, people do feel like they're in a place where if they speak out against something, they're going to automatically be labeled as this, or they're going to be labeled as that, or they're going to be seen in a certain light. And, uh, it just goes, it's completely backwards about how, how we're supposed to function in this country. Um, and it's, it's, uh, scary to watch and be a part of it. 
It is, and in, in in the sort of same way that in, in going back to nineteen twelve, it's like class barriers used to be much more, you know, very black rigid. and white. Yeah, but it almost feels like it's getting to that point now where it's like maybe we're not saying it explicitly, but there is definitely class barriers that would like yeah. like you just think of people who have like the multi millions of dollars, the asters of today, you know, Bezos, Musk, et cetera, et cetera. It's like that mm. there. Those are people literally in a different class than me. Even if we're not able to say, like, those are first class people, we can't say that out loud, that I'm a second class or third class person. It's like, but that's how, that's how I'm regarded. Absolutely. By the world. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's why, I mean, I think that as humans, that's just kind of how we are. We're always going to, you know, divide ourselves up into these subsets. I think that's kind of how our, I mean, we compartmentalize. That's how our brain works. Um, mm-hmm. Now, there's ways that you can compartmentalize things that aren't offensive and that aren't uh i don't exactly know the word but ways you can do it where you're not discriminating against you know people and not putting others down because of the choices you're making if that makes sense yeah um so yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. This is, it's, yeah. Sorry, I'm, it's, now I'm getting in my head. Yeah, that's alright. That's what I do all the time. But like, it's just, it's one of those things where you look at the parallels between things, and it's really, really, it is scary because we've seen how it happens before when you know there's massive inequalities in income, and when there is you know really, really outright barriers between certain groups of people. It's not like it goes well. History didn't show this ending in a positive way. You know, no matter how many times we try to repaint the narrative, whenever you try to make a group othered and treat them differently, it doesn't normally reflect kindly in history. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's really unfortunate that we're not seeing the red flags for what they should be. We're kind of seeing them as like potentially orange, not quite red flags, which is... <sighs> no, that's a lie. I don't... Okay. Well, I see what you're saying. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I think what I'm trying to say also is that the people who have the power to change are the ones who are not seeing the red flags and the people who see the red flags are the ones who have no power. Yeah. Or the, or the ones that are in power, they, they see the red flags, but they're not going to change it because they're benefiting from it. I mean, that's yeah, exactly it. And that, and that's exactly my problem. And, you know, part of the reason that I also started this podcast was I wanted to learn about the other people. Like if I never learn another fact about John Jacob Astor for the rest of my life, I think I'd be fine. I don't hate him. I never knew him. Like, I don't think, like, it's not like, I'm, I'm going to go spit on his grave. No, I don't care. I don't, the thing is, I just don't care. Yeah. Enough people know about him. We've had a million books written about him. Wealthiest man on the blah, 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 blah. I don't want to know about them. I was far more interested to talk to Sally and Nilsson about the Paracchio brothers, who are a pair of waiters in the first class a la carte restaurant who died in the sinking. Yeah. I want to know about them. And that's, but so many of them, they did die. So there's nobody to yeah. tell their stories. Um, exactly. Yeah. It's, so, um, yeah, I, I 100% agree, and I think there's that's another one of the tragic things about it is because you have all these, all these people that were on the Titanic that were just because they were poor, they had no access to, 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 to being saved, and just because of the yeah. the class that they were in, uh, they they were third rate citizens on aboard the ship, um, and so many of them of them died because of that. 
And even in death, that's how some people treated them. Like there was even in the aftermath of the sinking, there were people who were like, yeah, I mean, I guess it's cool that these third class, you know, urchins survive, but wouldn't it have been better if we'd saved some of those billionaires? They just contribute so much more to the world. Right. Yeah. And it's like, <sighs> are you sure? Are yeah, you sure? exactly. Number one, are you sure? Number two, go to hell. Um, right. exactly. But also it's like, now we're getting to the point where we start to quantify human life and you know people were way too comfortable doing that they're, they're getting way too comfortable doing that now yes they are Oof, it's why i yes, can't move to texas with my family because it's like listen i love you guys but i don't want to wake up one morning and find out the hard way that it's no longer legal for me to drive <laughs> uh well see i like i said i'm from georgia so mm -hmm. that's uh pretty pretty uh deep south as you can get um, they've been making waves recently though yeah they have but uh it's definitely more difficult i think to be of a yeah. i guess more centralist than necessarily on the left or the right because mm -hmm. um, i feel like there's so many well i, I guess it, it kind of exists on both sides where it's like there's this, so much of this polarity out there now where it's like, you, if you exist in the center, uh, folks on the left think that you're a fascist. And then if you're in the center, folks on the right think you're a communist. So it's this weird, and it's like, no, I'm not any of that. I mm -hmm. like some of what you're saying, and I like some of what you're saying. And I think if we all put it together, and if we stop acting like petulant children and stop screaming at each other and realize that both sides have something good to say and that all in all, we basically do all want the same thing. We both all, we all want to be able to live our lives, make it better and don't bother me. You know, like mm -hmm. I think that's basically the thing that most people want uh, in the most simplest of terms. I think but, that the uh, hard the hard part to acknowledge too is that this gets into something that I'm not even that well educated on. So like anything I say from this point on it should take with many grains of salt. But it goes back to a lot of these values that have just been systemically for like hundreds of years. I don't even mean like the past ten years. I mean like hundreds of years since this country started, we've been planting seeds of polarity. Like when you trace the origins of police back and you realize that they came out of slave catchers, it's like, well, yeah, of course people would have a problem with that. That's why we need to address things like that. You need to address the origins of things. And it's really hard to talk about those things because it admit it, it involves admitting to faults. It involves admitting to really, really yeah, dark Nobody shit. ever wants to do that. No, it is not fun. It is not fun as someone who's <laughs> been through things like that. It is not fun to have to go up to someone and be like, I'll give an example. I... I, yeah, I was with somebody um, who, you know, we had some really, really tough times and they ended up having a psychotic break down and, you know, obviously things got very complicated during that time. And it was really hard to have to go to my parents and be like, I need help because this has happened because it was like admitting that, you know, I've been ignoring some things, I've been putting things off and um other things have been falling by the wayside and it, it's really hard to have to go to someone and be like i made a really i made not even a mistake it's like this is out of my control now 
don't, I can't I, fix I it without you helping me. Exactly. And I, I was embarrassed that I thought it was out of my control and I was trying to get it back in my control. And now that like it's completely out of... In you. Exactly. Like, I remember having to call my parents. I had to have a friend come to my house and literally hold me as I called my parents about this. Like, that's how bad it was. I wasn't... I'm not overreacting slightly, but it was still kind of like, this was... It's hard to admit when you've done something wrong. And that was on a small scale. This isn't me even being like, my ancestors are responsible for genocide. Like, it's not even that. This is really little. Right. So, and I think that we've reached a point, unfortunately, where, where it, it, every, every conversation becomes personal in, in both directions. Like, you, talk, you try to talk to somebody about something like, oh, God, I can't even come up with an example. Yeah, it's so but, hard when you're right on the spot. Right. But like, oh, critical race theory, for example, where it's like, no, liberals are not trying to teach you that America is bad. That's not the lesson. What they're trying to say is we need to look at a holistic picture of our history, the good and the bad, so yeah. that we know how to move forward. And it's and that and I think for many people that comes out of fear because for many years they've been told that this is bad and that is bad and this is bad and that is bad. So finally when it becomes a point where my children might be taught this subject in school, it's a powder keg and it just blows the hell up. Yes. Yeah, so, it's all emotionally charged. And when, when things are attached mm -hmm. to your emotions, obviously you're going to take it very personally. And mm -hmm. I think it's a lot, it's really hard to separate yourself from that. Um, but yeah, two in a row, but I watch a YouTube channel called cinema therapy. It's um, a therapist and a filmmaker who watch movies and, and talk about them. And they're usually kind of pretty silly and goofy and funny. But there was one point that the therapist, um, his name is Jonathan Decker makes, and he talks about where hate comes from. And he says, hate comes from love. And I don't remember exactly the quote that he gave, but he pointed out, you hate people or things or concepts either because they have directly hurt someone you love, or I don't remember the other example, but it was like, or that it, it, it's caused you pain in some way. It's like, I, I hate you because you represent something that caused me harm. Yeah. And I when it, it. yeah, I, I'm so embarrassed about this. I'm gonna have to go back and editing and like edit the real quote in and be like, I found it. Go Not ahead. just me being yeah. dumb, but it basically points out that the origin of these angry feelings are from a desire to protect yourself and the ones that you love. So I, I, I'm a liberal. I make that very obvious. You know, if people want to yell at me about it, they, they can. But I, I like to think that I'm kind of reasonable and will have any conversation with anybody. Yeah. Um, as long as we can, like, keep it chill. If we're going to start throwing stuff around, I'm going to do it, too. But, Absolutely. you know. That's what I hate so much about it is it's just like, why can't just have a conversation? You don't right, even have like, to get mad at the other person, even if it, they're saying something that you don't agree with. It's just or be like, okay, five. so I don't agree with you. Okay. Yeah. Well, or. I, I, I know it's hard, but sometimes it can just be like, I'm getting really upset right now. Just wait yeah. five minutes and we can come back. Yeah, just, exactly. just, just take a minute to calm down because it can be really, really difficult. Like, for example, with, all right, I'm going to make a controversial topic. I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to bring up abortion right now. And I'm going to try to address both sides. Okay. Speaking as a liberal, I personally am like, you should be able to make the choice with your body in pregnancy is very difficult for people with wounds like it's not like pregnancy is easy and you go back to normal it's like there are a lot of, of people who die during pregnancy during birth there are a lot of people who have lifelong physical complications 
it, people lose their teeth. People develop osteoporosis, could it adjust the hormone levels? Like it's a big flipping deal. And like, I'm a heart patient from young age. So if I were to get pregnant at any point in time, it's like, I'd have to be really closely monitored all of the time. And there's a possibility the kid could also have the same heart defect. <clears throat> and I think that if you want an abortion, you should be able to have one. Now, I'm going to go to the other side. Why would you ever want to kill a kid? You make it controversial and you put it that way and you put it that way and it sounds like people are slaughtering children. I don't know a single person in my life and I, I've met some pretty people that'll say some pretty terrible stuff, like some pretty terrible shit just to be edgy. Yes. Not even those people would even joke about harming a child. Never. Never, yeah. never, never. And it's one of those things where I understand where that fear comes from, because if you genuinely hear someone out there is killing kids, like, what kind of horrible monster are you? Absolutely. Seriously. Like, if I knew, if I genuinely in my heart believed that people are out there killing kids, I would fucking hate them. I would hate them with every core of my being because what kind of depraved monster are you? And unfortunately, this comes down to a lack of education on both sides. I think that we need to understand the science of conception gestation a little bit better. And I also think that we need to understand a little bit more about the history of religion and sort of how it became and has become a tool for many sides of politics. I think both sides need to understand how we got to the point that we're having this ridiculous argument. Yes. Figure out how to go forward because all the, a lot of, in the first place. Right. Because I know the big argument comes down to like late term abortions and stuff. And I've mm -hmm. honestly never met a person who had a medical, they, they're literally called medical late term abortions who was not left devastated by it because these were all wanted children. They were babies with names, nurseries, Baby I've always thought that it's people on the right don't just want to control women and people on the mm -hmm. left don't just want to kill babies. Exactly. Like, it's not that simple. There's nothing about this conversation that is simple at all. No. Um, I have flip-flopped back and forth on my views on abortion. Um, sure. Of course, I was raised um, very conservative. Um, mm -hmm. My parents are very conservative. Basically, my entire family is very conservative. Um, sure. So I was, of course, raised very conservative. I was raised homeschool. I was raised religious. Um, so, I mean, I had a lot of, I mean, I don't want to say it was brainwashing because, I mean, really any kind of school or any kind of being in a family is being brainwashed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just so, of course, I was, I, was, um, I was taught to believe that abortion was wrong. And mm -hmm. then I finally arrived at the position where I was like, why Why are we trying to make decisions for other people? Why don't mm -hmm. we just let them make their own decisions? Right. Um, but I have recently come back to the way that I view abortion now is I don't think abortions should be legal. But I think within the first few trimesters, it should be decriminalized so i think it's i think it's important as uh, as us or i think it's important for us as a nation to say the act of abortion is wrong but just because it's wrong i don't think it needs to be illegal 
I mean, there's a lot of things in the country that are that are wrong that aren't illegal. Mm-hmm. So, but the reason that I think it's illegal, and of course, there are arguments against this where you know you you can't let your religion dictate the decisions of other people. Um, but the way I look at it is, if you strip away everything in society, the, the most basic and elemental form of anything that we have is life. Mm-hmm. I mean, from if there wasn't life, nothing else would exist. Like the country wouldn't exist. The laws wouldn't exist. The people who perform abortions wouldn't exist. The people that are having the abortions wouldn't exist. So the only reason we're even able to discuss whether or not abortion should be legal or not, it all comes from the the point when it all comes from life and the earliest the earliest that we can conceive of what life is is at conception so that's that's where i hold my my belief on i think conception is the start of life because i think it's dangerous for us as humans to be able to move that line anywhere on the spectrum that's fair. And I mean, I, I have to say, I will never agree with that thought simply because in my opinion, I think life begins when you're, when you're here. I think that's when it starts. Um, I think it's when you're able to be, I think it's when you're able to be independent by yourself. Cause there, there comes a point in gestation where you can, you can be safe, not safely. You should never remove a baby from the womb before it's ready to be removed unless it has to be. Correct. It's better for it's better for a natural gestation if for if, if it's safe for both the baby and for the mother, and I believe that at that point where that baby even with needs you know a little bit of help is able to exist without without its mother. When it's here in that way, when it's out in the world, out from the womb, whether that be natural birth, C-section, prematurity, whatever the case may be, that is when I personally believe that life begins, and I think that until the point where that baby is able to support itself it is still considered basically an organ of the body and you can't make me donate my blood my organs you can't even make me donate my spit like something as stupid as that but i talked about this on a previous episode but i was raped when i was 19 years old Mm -hmm. um by a lawyer in new york city and Sorry. I'm very lucky. Thank you. I'm very lucky that I did not get pregnant. But I think about this a lot where if I had, and if that kind of law were in place, I would have had to, as a heart patient, carry a child for nine months, which would have been probably very dangerous for me, that I did not want, and then give birth to it. And that man could have sued for full custody, could have prevented me from getting an abortion, could have prevented me from giving that child up. There are so many things that could have happened. And You know, people could say any number of things that they want to say about things I could have, should have, would have done. But it's like, you know, at the end of the day, he shouldn't have raped me. And his decision to do a terrible thing shouldn't have dictated my life. And that's where I come come about it to where it's like, I can't put someone else through that knowing what it may have done to me, knowing what it could do to somebody else. And... Even let's just, even if the, 
life, even if it had, if I'd been pregnant and life had started at conception, it would not have been a wanted child. And it may have had a horrible life because of it. And that just seems like such a horrible situation for me and the kid, potential kid. Yeah. So I, 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 I definitely hear where you're coming from. And mm-hmm. it's, it is, it's terrible that it happened. And, um, I don't want to sound like insensitive or anything, mm-hmm. you know, by bringing up arguments against this horrible thing that happened to you, because I, I have never been raped. I've never known anyone personally that has told me they have been raped. Um, so I've never actually been in that situation. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's why I believe that even if, if, if we do come to a place where we say abortion is illegal, that's why I think it should be decriminalized because there are these situations where there's, there's really, there's no, there's no way for anybody to, I don't even know how to put it in words. There's no way for anyone to be able to tell someone that they have to go through that for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if they make, if they make that decision, yes, they can have an abortion, but nothing's going to happen to them. Even though we agree that abortion is wrong, there's nothing that's going to happen to them. And that's something that, that they deal with on their own. There's nobody that's telling them you have to do this or you can't do this. You're mm-hmm. able to make your own decisions, but I think it's just, fundamental for us as a civilization to realize the value of life and us to say, because life is involved, abortion is wrong. And, you know, I think that's one of the things where unfortunately people need to keep those arguments out of it. And even my argument too, as much as, you know, it it doesn't matter what you think or feel to a certain extent at the end of the day, all that matters is things like laws. And unfortunately, when you have a society where people think these kinds of things about abortion it's like i think unfortunately or fortunately in at least in my opinion the only thing you can do in situations like these is not even just decriminalize them but i just don't think they should be illegal and that is your choice if if and you have and as you said you live with the consequences of your choices if you end up feeling guilty about that later get therapy talk to someone about it do do what you have to but you made that decision you are an adult and or however you are old you are and that's kind of how i feel about most things i'm like i am terrified of guns i don't like them they freak me out but i don't want to take other people's guns away from them yeah exactly i mean if you have 14 ar-15s i would like to take 13 of those from you because that's insane i would agree with that that's what i'm i'm definitely not for gun control but uh i don't i think that the process of obtaining a gun should be more difficult Mm -hmm. um i mean it's easier to get a gun than it is to get alcohol yeah, and that's insane. Exactly. And that's um, all it is like. It's, and I think people don't understand when they say gun control. It doesn't mean like take them finger away. lock all guns. It means like, could you maybe before you are allowed to buy a gun, you need to get a license. Then once you've got that little thing, then you can go buy your bang bang toys. But how about and we that's do what that I was first? that's what I was referring to earlier uh, before we had actually gone down this rabbit hole was when you have both of these sides that you have one side that's screaming. They just want to take your guns away. That's it. That's all they want to do. They don't want you to have guns. They don't want you to have access to guns. They want you to take away your guns. And the other side is saying, 
all they want is their guns. They just want tons of guns because they're insane. They're crazy. And it's like, no. All they're saying is they don't want the gun. They don't want the access to guns to be so easy. Exactly. They're not trying to take all of them away from you. Most of them, I mean, there are probably some of them that say no one should ever have a gun. Um, of course, I don't agree with them, but... I kind of think that way, but I'm also one of those people that's like, that's an unrealistic thought. Yes, but I mean, so is the sinking of the Titanic. <laughs> yeah, but I think I'm being a little more realistic in that sense where I'm like, I'm not going to push for an agenda that's dumb. I'm like, in my personal fantasy, yeah, but like, realistically, it's like, can we just get a little, get a little paper trail on these things? Yeah, yeah I would definitely agree with that. That's why I think we def- you definitely need to have a license before you're able to have a gun. You have to have some sort of character reference that, you know, and psychiatric evaluation. Yeah. Something. Well, both sides of people on this political party that I do not trust to have guns. There are people far right and people far left that I would think I would love to not allow have guns. It's like, that has nothing to do with political affiliation. I just think you're out of your flipping mind. Yes, I agree. Well, that's what that is. And, you know, I guess for me, like, with, with, you know, anything like abortion or gay marriage, I'm like, if you don't like it, don't get it. Yeah. Like, just just let people live their lives. If you happen to think it's reprehensible or whatever, I think I think a lot of stuff is is awful, but it's not illegal and you can you can do what you want, you know? And that's kind of how I feel about things. It's like, if you don't, if you think that a man marrying a man is gross, then I have great news for you. You don't, you don't have to marry you one. You don't have to. It's shocking. I know, but it's like, and, and that's kind of how I think about things. And it's, I, 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 I want, I want good for everyone. Again, as, as a left-leaning person, what I really want, no matter who you are, if you're right, middle, left, I want you to be able to be comfortable. I would love for you to never have to worry about health care. It would be amazing if your children had everything they needed and wanted. I would love if your yeah, if your house never had a leak in it or if as soon as it did you could fix it, if you could quit your third and second job, if you could have more time with your kids. Again, right or left. This is what I want for everyone. Right. And, you know, I think that maybe if we all understood a little bit more, because I I bet you a million bucks. If I sat down with someone who was similar to me but on the right, and I just asked them, is this what you want? Do you just want people to be able to afford to live? I don't think they'd really be able to argue with that against me. It'd be like, you can't tell me you wouldn't love a life where you didn't have to work three jobs. You could be home with your kids every day, give them what they like, be sure to tuck them into bed every night. Right. I mean, who wouldn't, who wouldn't agree with that? Right. And I think that's it. (laughs) And, you know, in the same way that I brought up that it was kind of similar, I think at the end of the day, humans just want to connect and when you have these viewpoints where everyone where and and i will admit that there are some people that are so far outside of my comprehension that we can't have conversations because they don't acknowledge the same reality i live in right and it's really unfortunate that sometimes that's the case but it doesn't mean that i want bad things for them it just means that you know we're in a place right now where there are these really hard battle lines being drawn and maybe they're not between class as much as they were in 1912, but we're definitely seeing really violent divides. Mm-hmm. And like you brought up earlier, it's scary. It is. It is very scary. Sorry. No, go for it. But I mean, I'll, I mean, I mean, cause at the end of the day, no matter how, you know what, no matter what, 
the result of me and you debating guns, abortion, gay marriage, whatever, no matter what the end result of those is like, I think at the end of the day, both all you and I want for everyone is just to not be constantly <laughs> engulfed by the malaise and gloom that is the millennial generation's curse. Yeah, I think it's what an interesting time to live in. <laughs> and I think that 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 also is is kind of the catalyst to a big thing for me too is that it's like we're spending all this time fighting, but like none of us are going to be able to afford to retire or own homes or do anything. <laughs> like. Come on, guys, we have literally bigger things to deal with. Could we stop arguing about other stuff? Yeah, that's what I just wish there I wish there was just less arguing and, and less people freaking out about things and more of understanding of other people and actually wanting to understand. You know, there's somebody out there mm-hmm. that don't even want to understand and they might not yeah. even realize that they don't want to understand. But yeah. You know, yeah. is you you just have to slowly chip away at them, I guess, until they finally can realize. And I think it's a personal experience is one of those things. It's like I don't really think people can honestly change unless they're faced with that experience. You know, somebody yeah. can tell you, like, I'm, and I know you don't want to do this, but you could tell me day and day over and over and over again, what it was like to be raped, but there's no way on earth that I will ever be able to fully understand what it's like unless it happens to me, which I'm a man. So of course it's probably never going to happen to me. Um, but, uh, yeah. And I think it's a, a great segue back into Titanic to me is because we hear all of these things about Titanic and they're so horrible to imagine having to deal with but we're never actually going to know what it was like to be on that show. And that, I think that's one of the things that is so captivating to me is when I try and put myself on the deck of the boat and I'm thinking, or of the ship, excuse me. Some people get offended when you call it a boat. Um, It's a ship. It is. Shut up, Cora. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So... I try and put myself like on the ship and I'm thinking there are no lifeboats. There's no land around me. The water's freezing. Like there's nothing I can do. Just that paralyzing sense of helplessness of dread. There's absolutely nothing you can do. And you know that you're about to die. And one of the most like moving scenes to me in the movie is towards the end when it's right before it's about to break up. Um, you see all these people that are rushing up the boat deck, trying mm-hmm. to get, you know, to, to the, um, to the, to the boat deck. I mean, to the, uh, to the stern of the ship that's rising up. Right, right, right. And basically every single person knew they were about to die. I mean, I'm sure somewhere in the back of their mind, they're thinking maybe something will happen. But I mean, you basically know I'm, I'm going to die. Yeah. So why not just jump over the side then and just go ahead and get it over with? But it's so stirring to me to see that there's all these people that are putting off the inevitable and just running up this boat deck, trying to prolong the inevitable death for just like, 30 seconds to a minute later 
Yes. And having to imagine being in that is just awful to me. Is towards the kind of I don't I don't remember if it's the final descent or if it's before the sh the stern falls back again. Mm -hmm. But there's a point where you see a mother holding her son like very close to her chest, and you know tears streaming down her face, and she's just whispering to him, "It'll all be over soon." And it's just like, good God, that's, that's intense because you're right. People are, are putting off the inevitable, but on the other hand, I'm kind of like, well, what, especially if it was just me, it's different, but I'm like, if I'm responsible for a kid, what oh, yeah. in the hell am I supposed to do? Like what? So like, many families, so many mothers and fathers had to just stand by and like watch their kids die. It, it's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's incomprehensible. Yeah, it is. And I guess that's why it's so captivating to me is because since it's so incomprehensible i can never understand it so my mind's always like going back to it and going back to it yeah i think it, it goes back to the whole thing where it's just like you really want to know what you would do in that kind of situation simply because it is one of those ultimate not ultimate tests but it's sort of this is it everyone wants to know what they would do right before they die but you know i don't think a lot of people are going to be able to have that sort of super dramatic experience or whatever, but everyone likes to imagine that when when faced with these big, massive things that, you know, you'll face it with, uh, I don't know, a big, massive presence or whatever, but there's just no way of knowing what you would do until it's happening. Yeah. Right? And, you know, death is the ultimate mystery. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think no matter who you are, I think everyone is obviously curious about death. Yeah. So you have these moments that are right before death, and these people that are acting this way and since the majority of them did die, there's this humongous population of, of people that are right there at death's door. And I mean, I guess this goes for anyone who's ever died before, but mm -hmm. you, you know, you can't ask them what happened, you know, right before, right before you died or what were the, how are you actually feeling? And I'm guessing that's, again, harkening back to there's no way you're going to be able to change yourself unless you actually go through that experience. Yeah. And that is what I think people always ask me. is like, why do I think that people keep coming back to Titanic? And the answer I keep coming back to is I don't know. I think it's because yeah. it's a human story. And it's a way to connect. And you want to understand tragedy because you want to hope that if you ever are, are faced with something like that, you'll have a lesson to learn from the past and be able to face it in a slightly different way. But I mean, again, at the end of the day, it's like when you're in a situation and, and stuff just hits the fan and you're like, Oh my God, you don't know how you're going to react. I mean, you know, you love to think that if someone jumps out from behind a bush at you, you're just going to immediately switch into martial arts mode and be able to completely bring them back. But you know, I don't know. I think my first instinct would just be to freaking scream. Absolutely. Scream, cry, run away. Yeah. Yeah, all those things. But it's like, yeah, I don't think that I was going to turn into one of Charlie's angels anytime soon. Not going to happen. But, yeah, I don't know. We, we, There's so much to learn from Titanic. There's so much that we did learn from Titanic, and there's so much that we didn't learn. And, you know, like you said, everything is getting scary. And things are scary because we've seen what happens when people separate themselves off and they assign value to people based on their circumstance and it just doesn't put people in a good place doesn't make people 
happy. <laughs> it belongs there. Absolutely. Happiness to all. There is a goal, right? Oops. I make so much noise. I don't understand why I am allowed to have a podcast. I'm the noisiest person. Oh, it's fine. It's all right. Sorry. I was... I can't drink out of a cup normally. I have to have a straw. Otherwise, I'm one of those people that like chokes constantly on their water, and that's worse. <laughs> but that means that everyone has to hear a straw slapping around the glass for... Well, I would rather you have a straw and hear that than us have to listen to you choking. <laughs> yeah, that that's probably good. Not really. Especially I mean, on a Titanic have... podcast. No one wants to hear anybody choking. No, it's just like, oh, that's what that sounds like when you drown. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, but, for real. Ugh. Yeah, drowning seems terrible. I mean, to be perfectly fair, freezing to death, drowning to death, all that stuff sounds terrible. Yes, it does. But I think I think I would rather freeze to death than drown to death. But I mean, I've heard freezing to death after you get past the after after you go numb. Basically, it's pretty peaceful, is what I've heard. But yeah, drowning to me, I just feel like drowning is just one of those things where it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse until it stops. I feel yeah, you panic and panic and panic and panic and panic until you just die. Yeah, that sounds awful. Exactly, as you That's pointed why. out, it's probably a little bit better to uh just drift off into the cold yeah exactly. i mean at least when you freeze to death you fall asleep i mean when you yeah at some point you're just kind of like mm. but i mean i guess yeah. if you drown you also fall asleep at some point but <laughs> yeah there's just usually a bit of a struggle to go to bed at that point yes exactly yeah i don't know it's i mean that's scary when you know that's and that's another thing when everyone you know think about it where you're like I'm, if you're confronted with a ter- terrifying death it's like that doesn't happen to most people i don't think mm-hmm. it doesn't it's there, there you have it again. Another reason I think it's so captivating is because all these people had to go through a terrifying death. And I mean, it's bad enough to hear about one person having to face a terrible death, but you have 1,500 people that had to mm. face a terrible death. The same thing with like, um, you know, you think of any major disaster that's happened since then where, you know, an airplane crashes or a cruise ship goes down and there's these massive losses of life. It's just like, it's horrifying when you think about it because it's just, you know, how could so many people be lost at one time, especially like, you know, now in 2022, or like, don't we have the technology to not do that? Right. Really not, but you'd think. That's why anyway. I don't think technology is, I mean, I think that's one of the greatest lessons that we can learn from, from Titanic is that at the time, you know, it was thought of as this, this flagship for the future, whereas like it has mm-hmm. all this technology on it. It's so safe. There's practically no way it can sink. Um, it has all of the latest uh, inventions and it's the biggest ship in the world it's got the best crew on it mm-hmm. and what it could sank go wrong? yeah what could go wrong and it sank and i think anytime that humanity ever puts puts those things brings those words into existence it's like mm-hmm. no there's always something that is going to be stronger than us yeah. and there's always going to be things that can happen outside of our control because yep I mean, you just have, I mean, here's another tangent. I don't know, but <laughs> I also I'm really interested in like space and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's ridiculous when you when you actually look at the size of all the things in the universe and you look at the size of what we actually are. And mm-hmm. it's like you for a second thought that you could control something in this universe. Honestly, you really think that you have the power to control something in this universe? Like, there is, there is no force greater than 
everything we don't understand and we understand nothing. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's it. It's like, we don't understand anything. I think we're learning a little more that we don't understand anything, but it's just like, dude, no matter how powerful you think there are, there's going to be some sort of storm that comes in from space that lets you know that you are not all you thought you were. Exactly. So like, we know so much, but we know, we don't know infinity. Exactly. And there's always more to learn. And you see how fast technology has improved in just, you know, recent years. Like, we're going to continue learning. We're going to continue discovering things. And things are going to continue to come to light. But I think that the lesson that we need to keep reminding ourselves is that we are not the powerful ones. We are the guests. Yes, we are. We're only here for a short time, so be nice. Yeah, be nice to the other planets. They're going to remember what happened. Yes, they are. (laughs) Well, Micah, I have now kept you for longer than an hour. It's okay. I've enjoyed it. I enjoyed the conversation immensely. Me too. It was really nice talking to you. Thank you so much for coming coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I want to thank Micah again so much for um, coming on and for talking to me and being really, really nice about everything because Micah is a nice person and you should get in touch with him. He has Facebook and Instagram. You can find him on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash M Woodard. I'm saying that kind of funny just to phonetically spell it out, but it's M W O O D A R D dot Macon. M-A-C-O-N dot Realtor. So that's facebook.com slash mwoodward dot macon dot Realtor. And you can also find him on Instagram. Uh, his personal account is Mike Angelo, which I think is very funny. It's M-I-C-A-H-L-A-N-G-E-L-O. And he also has one for his real estate business, which is the same as his Facebook, mwoodward dot macon dot Realtor. Thank you guys again for tuning in, and I will see you in the next one. Bye! Titanic Talkline was created and produced by me, Alexia. Be sure to keep up with the show on all the social medias at Titanic Talkline on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That is all one word, Titanic Talkline, T-I-T-A-N-I-C-T-A-L-K-L-I-N-E. If you want to get in touch, be on the show, sponsor the show, or have a question or anything you want to tell me, send me an email at titanictalkline, again, all one word, at gmail.com. That's titanictalkline at gmail.com. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. Bye!